go ahead and pick your speed up your number one now, runway 27, clear to land green dot. Welcome to Oshkosh, guys. Hello and welcome to the Green Dot, EAA's podcast for anyone and everyone who loves aviation. My name is Hal Bryan and I'm one of the hosts of the Green Dot. I'm EAA's managing editor for print and digital content and publications. And in this episode, uh, we're going to break it up just a little bit differently. And that is uh, we're going to check in with uh, the heads of each of our three divisions. That's uh, Warbirds, the International Aerobatic Club, and the Vintage Aircraft Association. So uh, joining us first uh, here from uh, Warbirds of America, uh, returning to the Green Dot. Glad to have him back. Uh, It's uh, Mr. Zach Olzaki. Zach, welcome back. Well, it's good to be back. Thanks for having me. I'm uh, looking forward to this interview. Well, uh, same here. That's for sure. Uh, so uh, as we're recording, recording this in uh, early May, but it shouldn't uh, shouldn't be too long of a turnaround by the time we get everybody together. So uh, we're looking for uh, for a couple of different things. First of all, uh, how are things going with Warbirds in, of America? What's uh, what's news over there? What's going on in that organization? Well, you know, I guess as everybody is kind of expecting and not be surprised by, it's kind of a coming out party time with the COVID uh, cases and deaths and things reducing and uh, the protocols uh, being lifted, especially here where I am in Florida. Um, uh, lots of lots of activity is going on. So uh, the Warbird community is uh, starting to get back together and, uh, and, and have events to go to. And probably the most important note on there, and it probably jumps into a couple other topics we're going to talk about later, but uh, Sun and Fun had their uh, spring break for, for pilots and uh, aviation enthusiasts uh, early April, and uh, I'm happy to report that they have had, on every metric that they measure, a 47-year record-breaking um, event. Wow. They had more campers than ever before. The campers stayed longer than ever before. They had more aircraft than ever before. The aircraft stayed longer than ever before. They had more people. They had more gross revenue. Um, and, you know, slipping back to, to Warbird's commentary, uh, a normal number of attending registered Warbirds for Sun and Fun for us is in the 150s. Well, we had 178 Warbirds show up. So th- there's pent-up demand, and we have every reason to expect that for Oshkosh Air Venture. Well, that's uh, that's terrific to hear. Uh, you know, I'd certainly, I certainly, I wasn't at Sun and Fun this year, but I certainly heard uh, good, strong reports coming out of it, but I hadn't heard that definitive, uh, just, you know, record-setting across the board. Uh, but that, uh, you know, that, that bodes well for all of us, uh, you know, whether we're talking Air Venture or just just the community, uh, community in general. So, uh, so tell me what, uh, um, any, uh, highlights, uh, from the, the Warbird presence at Son of Fun, aside from the sheer domination of numbers, that's fantastic. Well, uh, yeah, as a matter of fact, um, it may not seem like a big deal to air venture attendees, but it was a big deal. What I'm about to describe for Sun and Fun, uh, on arrival day, the beginning of the week, um, you know, we have the arrivals of the Warbirds similar, but it used to be different than at Air Venture. At, at Air Venture, all of the uh, trainer groups arrive at the same time slot, take different altitudes, and take turns dropping down to the low altitude, passing the crowd, going to a different altitude, taking turns while being over 
time over the target each time at the same moment. That's not the way it's been done in the past at Sun and Fun, um, mainly because it's uh, been smaller uh, attendance of Warbirds for the arrival show, uh, and also because it's more complicated to put that on. Well, this year, um, between the uh, Air Boss and the, and the people arranging and designing the arrival, we did an air venture type arrival at Sun and Fun, and so we had uh, more T-34s, um, than is traditional. We had more red stars than is traditional. We had a, a typical, uh, normal, a good showing of T6s, and then, of course, we had the T28s, and they all arrived at the same time and mixed and matched their uh, flyovers, you know, so it was pretty exciting, and um, we had one of those trainer groups take up the whole main feature ramp, and we had the big taxi in event, and it, um, it was a, a different and excellent start to the week. Well, it sounds like a, a great way to celebrate uh, what you uh, described as that pent-up demand, you know, and we, uh, uh, for the past, you know, some 14 months now, we're all feeling feeling that pent-up demand for so many different things in our lives, but obviously for us, you know, the return of fly-in season and getting together and celebrating aviation is such a such a huge piece of that. Uh, it, it, it's interesting to me I, um, that after you know, a year of sort of, of pause, um, coming back into, to sun and fun, you know, it, it would have been understandable if, uh, if the Warbirds groups had taken, uh, I guess, kind of a tentative approach saying, let's not, you know, let's not do anything sort of too big or too dramatic. Let's not sort of change anything. Let's just sort of ease back into this. So it's, uh, it's exciting to hear and it's inspiring to hear that you, you went the other direction and said, no, we're coming back. We're going to come back in a big way and we're going to do this big spectacular arrival uh as you said you know very much like what we see at at air venture that's terrific yeah yeah it's it it's just you you said it it's exciting it kind of you know i'm sitting here and this is not the first time i've, I've got you know my hair is kind of standing up in goosebumps it's uh we're back we're happy to be back um i have recently put out a, a an email to the board that uh, because of the uh, turnout and pent-up demand that we experience at Sun and Fun, we need to think outside the box as we prepare for Air Venture, because if we have numbers bigger than we've had in the past, we'll have challenges bigger than we've had in the past, and, and we need to kind of prepare ourselves uh, to make that experience the experience people expect. That uh, you know, one of the greatest aviation events in the world, and. Um, and we want to do it right. So uh, we want to kind of think outside the box and be on our toes. But it's exciting. And, you know, we're finding that same thing across the board as uh, as we all prepare for air venture in our different areas. And there's a, you know, we're trying to be sort of of two minds of it. And, you know, on the one hand, we're trying to be very, uh, very sort of cautious and very conservative and say, you know, we have to budget and we have to expect that in this not quite yet post-pandemic world, you know, that maybe we're not going to see huge numbers and we, we have to, you know, from a uh, fiscal standpoint, we're trying to prepare ourselves for saying, you know, don't get your hopes up too high. We'll come back, uh, but it's okay if this is just an, an average year. This doesn't have to be a, a barn burner. But on the other hand, all these other early indicators are telling us that, uh, as you said, pent up demand. People are excited. People are coming, and uh, we've got to be ready to uh, to handle and and 
logistically take care of uh, potentially much larger numbers of, of attendees. So only time will tell, but, uh, but we're trying to be prepared, uh, as I said, with, for both eventualities. Yeah, exciting. Very exciting. So, well, speaking of uh, of Air Venture and uh, and Warbirds, what kind of uh, what kind of things uh, do we have to look forward to? And I know that uh, aircraft coming and things that changes and and evolves and right up to the date. And sometimes, uh, in my experience, sometimes some of the the coolest uh, Warbirds we see are the ones that kind of surprise us. It's just you're walking down there, one just lands, and wait, I didn't even know there was one of these flying, and we didn't know it was coming, but here it is. So, but what do you see out there, Zach? Well, uh, you hit the nail right on the head. It's it's still, uh, even though it's just around the corner, it's too early for us to have all the pieces put together. Um, but a couple of the things that we do know is we fully expect uh, the Fagan uh, collection and museum to be sending a newly restored Hellcat. And of course, they're about as rare as any of the warbirds out there. Right. And um, so, so uh, keep our fingers crossed that uh, everything continues to go well with that. And we'll have a a Hellcat uh, in attendance and at Warbirds in review. Um, I understand it's also the 35th anniversary of a North American Trainer Association, and they represent everything North American. Um, and this is like hot off the press and not even official, but um, we're investigating the possibility of having Warbird Alley and Warbirds in review have um, that area full of North American products. You know, oh, so wow. that would, you know, you know we'd, they have a Mustang and a B-25 and a T-28 and a T-6 and, uh, you know, down the list. So so th- th- those are kind of the two feature things that we know about. Um, if pent-up demand uh, suggests what it is, you know, so maybe we'll see um, fighter town uh, grass area filled up. And uh, as far as the specials go, and that's what we refer to it, so that area right off uh, to the east of Warbird Alley, that grass area there, um, we usually leave that for what we call specials, and that's exactly what you hit the nail on the head on, is that, oh, we didn't know that was coming, or in the last minute we find out, uh, you know, Rod Lewis is sending something uh, special. He, t- he tends to try to do that, you know, so, uh, um, and we keep them real close to Warbird Alley so we can feature them. But uh, as, as of now, I don't have any, any featured specials to declare, but uh, it's safe to say somebody or multiple somebodies will show up with that. Uh, um, um, So the Warbird community, because of protocols, we traditionally open up the week with a a members, pilots and owners uh, picnic on Sunday night. That will not take place because that's generally in the neighborhood of a thousand people. The protocols won't allow us to do that. Um, And at the end of the week, we normally have our awards banquet and we've chosen to cancel that. Uh, We could control the social distancing and keep everyone at their tables, but the protocol requirement would have been we would have had to cut the uh, attendance in half, and that's like asking uh, parents which of their kids are their favorite kids, so (laughs) we've canceled that event. Uh, And in the meantime, we're going to try to do other things to say thank you to all our volunteers, pilots, and owners who choose to attend this year uh, and, and uh, come out and show us that they're supporting us. Um, that, that's the answer I've got for that. Uh, that's terrific. Well, it's, uh, you know, one thing that we keep, uh, we keep saying sort of across the board as we look at uh, what AirVenture 2021 is really going to be this year, um, you know, we have to acknowledge that it is uh, here and there is going to look a little different. Okay, no, no concert. As you mentioned, uh, a, a lot of banquets either canceled or scaled back for capacity reasons, things like that. 
But at the end of the day, you know, we are convinced and I think we're all committed uh, to making sure that it feels the same. Looks a little different, but it's going to feel the same. It's going to be good old Oshkosh. Yeah, yeah, and 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 you hit, you've, you've hit the nail on the head again. You know, we've uh, put in a number of I'll call them new initiatives, and one of the things we did, which in the corporate community might be referred to, and I started off calling it uh, branding, and we uh, we sent out a member survey to find out what our members think about us, what they think we're doing right, and what they're doing wrong. But I did want to kind of speak to this issue. We're kind of now boiling it down and just referring it to the member survey uh, because the membership came back in the survey and they told us, they uh, they let us know that they kind of like what we're doing and, and they understand what we're doing. So I think our branding is okay, but we need to do a better job of communicating. So we found out that uh, about 80% of our membership would qualify themselves as enthusiasts, you know, and I think sometimes we get caught up in and focusing on the big iron and the pilots and the owners when 80% of our community are the people who may not be pilots, they may not be owners of warbirds, and they just want to hear more about them. They want to see more of them. They want pictures. They want articles. They want stories. So we're kind of kicking off a campaign through our uh, efforts to expand social media and uh, maybe modify our, our magazine a little bit. Uh, which is already one of the favorite things out there for membership. And we're going to do more articles and features on enthusiasts that are out there, on volunteers that are out there, on maybe pilot owners of lesser what the what the community and the enthusiasts like to call the little guy, the guy we forget, the guy we don't see. Um, so that's a really a big effort. We want our membership to know that we thank them for participating. We had a bigger output in the survey than corporate uh, surveyors normally get. It was way bigger and uh, when we heard them and we want to respond to them. And, um, and we're also instituting a little more formalized strategic planning process so that we can keep tabs of where we've been and where we're going. So, so there's a lot going on in our community. Oh, that's great. To, that's great to hear. And it's always, uh, it's always a beneficial exercise to reach out to the people who, uh, who pay the salary and, uh, and check in and make sure that, uh, that we're all giving them uh, what they're looking for and what they want. Amen. Uh, uh, so uh, real quick, Zach, is there, uh, obviously, you know, AirVenture is top of mind uh, for all of us, but uh, any, other, uh, any other big Warbird events uh, or, or small Warbird events coming this summer that you're excited about or that, you know, is going to have a, a strong participation from the organization? Well, um, I don't know. I guess we still don't know about the strong participation, but the trainer groups have stepped up and are almost... I'm winging it here. I'm kind of inventing the number, but they're like doubling the number of clinics that they're having. They're they're spreading themselves out in into more uh, regionalized areas. And instead of oh, we used to have this one big clinic uh, in the north central region just before uh, AirVenture, and we used to have this one big clinic down in Florida before Sun and Fun. Well, golly, it uh, you know break the country up into pick pick a number six seven eight regions and each of those regions is uh, maybe having at least one clinic but in fact probably more like two clinics and uh, the t34 group instead of having their annual meeting at air venture they're going to go to topeka kansas and have their annual meeting there um, nada is 
truly and they're the example in my mind I'm using I know that they've like doubled the number of clinics they're having so uh, w without pointing a finger at a specific city there's a lot more going on sure. and a lot more opportunity for our membership to get out maybe and, and drive by those airports and see what's going on with those warbirds oh that's great well speaking of uh, of people who are interested in what's uh, what's going on uh, if there's anybody out there listening who's not uh, a member of, uh, of Warbirds, uh, what's the easiest way for them to, to sign up and join? Well, the easiest way is to go to the Warbirds of America website, which you can either get to directly or uh, indirectly by going to the EAA website, and there'll be a tab to pick for Warbirds of America. That's the most direct, easiest, and most user-friendly um, you could probably find your way also, and, and this uh, I'll do a poor job of explaining, but, you know, there's a number of warbird squadrons out there in different states, and uh, you could probably Google to find out if there's one in your region. And, uh, and as you go to join them, it would require you to join Warbirds of America as well. So that would be another avenue. But the most direct is to go to either the Warbirds of America website or the EAA website. Well, that's great, and not to be uh, not to be biased or anything, but I've been a Warbirds member, I believe, for about 20, 20 ish years now, and uh, uh, long before I started uh, working at EAA. So, uh, all I can tell you, uh, Zach, uh, with regards to the organization, is keep up the good work. Yeah, thanks, Hal. Thanks for being a member for twenty years, and uh, uh, I encourage people as the new guy uh, on the board as president. Um, if people uh, feel free to come by and say hello and introduce yourself at AirVenture to me, I'd be happy to meet and talk to folks. That sounds great. Well, Zach, thanks a lot for uh, taking some time to, to join us today. We really appreciate it. Uh, great to hear everything that's going on at Warbirds and looking forward to, uh, to seeing you here in Oshkosh uh, in July. And with that, uh, we're going to uh, move on now and uh, we'll pick it up in just a moment with, uh, with our old pal Jim from the International Aerobatic Club. And we'll talk about what's new in the world of aerobatics. And we're back for uh, part two of this episode of The Green Dot in uh, talking with uh, the heads of each of our divisions. And today, uh, I should say now, it's my pleasure to uh, welcome uh, Jim Burke of the International Aerobatic Club. Jim, welcome to the Green Dot. Thank you. Good to be here. Well, I should say welcome back. It's good to, good to have you back and talk to you some more about uh, all the fun stuff in the world of aerobatics. So as, uh, as uh, you and I have talked uh, prior to this, um, you know, we've got lots of things to look forward to this summer. Of course, uh, AirVenture is top of mind uh, for so many people. But uh, as you uh, as you tell us, so you know what's uh, the latest news in the world of IAC? I know in particular you have uh, you have a special event coming up about a month before AirVenture. So why don't uh, why don't we dive right in and have uh, you tell us what that's all about? Okay, great. Yeah, we have our new initiative this year, which is called National Aerobatics Day, and this year it'll be on June 26th. It'll be the fourth Saturday of every June from now until well, perpetuity, I suppose. But this will be the first one, and we're really excited about it. And the idea is simply to get people out there flying aerobatics. It's um, it's a day where people can do kind of whatever they want, as long as they record it, put it on social media, or tell us about it so we can get people to show up at their events. We're letting people have a lot of flexibility on this one because it's really just about celebrating the joy of aerobatic flight. Well, that sounds, uh, that sounds terrific. Um, and as you've been uh, promoting it and encouraging participation, uh, what's... Uh, 
what's your general sense? Does it sound like uh, you're going to have a, a lot of people getting involved? Yeah, we think definitely we're going to have a lot of people involved. You know, our, our competition season was pretty much shut down last year, of course. Uh, we normally have about 30 or maybe 35 contests a year and a number of other events, including practice days and, and um, you know, get-togethers, fly-ins or fly-outs, those kinds of things. But since last year was just so uh, uh, difficult for everyone, we know that this year is going to be a, a big year for us. We have a full contest calendar. We have a lot of uh, chapter activity. So what we're trying to do is get everybody to uh, plan some events for that day. It's been very well received so far. We have a number of chapters that are doing practice days or uh, what we have, we have what are called patch days where people can earn their achievement awards. The ISC Achievement Awards program is a really exciting one because you don't have to go to a competition. You can just go into your, your local airport and uh, learn some aerobatics and, and, um, and show off what you can do and get an award. So that's an exciting one for people to participate in on National Aerobatics Day. We also have chapters that are doing flyouts, the $100 hamburger, as we like to call it, you know, <laughs> with, but with aerobatic airplanes. They get to fly information to their local restaurant and show off their airplanes. And, you know, and some people, maybe they're busy on that day. And what we've encouraged them to do is take video of the days or weeks ahead of that and post it on that day so everybody can celebrate the day together. Yeah. Oh, that's uh, that's terrific. So this is probably a really hard question to ask, but uh, um, do you have anything in mind? Do you have a goal in mind? Like what does, what does success look like for National Aerobatics Day? If you, when you wake up June 27th and you look, uh, look at the day before, you know, what do you look back on and say, wow, that, uh, you know, that really went well? Well, you know, the first thing I always think of with aerobatics is safety. Of course, we want everyone to have a safe and fun time. That's number one. And uh, we've had a, we have a very good record of that. So uh, looking forward to another safe year of aerobatic flight for everyone. But success to me would just simply be that we would raise the profile of the sport of aerobatics and uh, make it feel more accessible to people. Because um, what I've noticed in my experience mentoring people and working with aerobatic pilots is that they have a lot of um, nerves. And they're um, sometimes curious if they're able to do what we do. And I think it is something that's, that's nearly for everyone. Um, it may take good training and good equipment. It may take some money and time, but it is for everyone. They just have to take that first step. And there are, our initiatives this year are all about getting people to take that first step and, and just start with the, with the sport and see how far they want to go with it. We think it's going to be successful. And we think on, on June 27th, we'll have met a lot of new people, made new friends, and we've gotten, we'll, you know, uh, reached out to a lot of people. The, the communities will know more about us and the pilots will know more about us. Well, it's great to hear, uh, number one, it's great to hear the idea of, uh, of just getting more people involved in aerobatics and exposed to it. And I think uh, uh, just my personal opinion, and uh, maybe you'd agree that, that uh, even a modest amount of, of aerobatics training or even a brief exposure to aerobatics can make all of us better pilots. Oh, I certainly do think so. It's, um, you know, you get used to um, to situations that uh, most pilots would never encounter ever, certainly not intentionally, but hopefully not an accident as well. And as an aerobatic pilot, you get very comfortable in all kinds of uh, flight regimes. What I like to say about that is, to, to new pilots especially, is to remember that the planes, your plane always follows rules. The rules might change in some situations, but there are always rules that it will follow. And if you can learn those rules, and you can be in control of the airplane no matter what is going on. And that's a, a great safety advantage for anybody who's been through that kind of training. Oh, that's uh, that's terrific. So it's great to hear that you've got uh, you know some of your your existing groups, your, your chapters, uh, planning certain events, as you said, from hundred dollar hamburgers to practice days or the uh, the patch days, things like that. But for people that are out there listening who are uh, 
you know, outside of your, your current community and are, are hearing this and are saying, you know what, I've always been interested in aer- aerobatics. Maybe there's something I can do on that day. What, where would you recommend that they start? The easiest thing to do would be to email me at president at IAC.org, but you can go to IAC.org on your browser and you could join or you could find our chapter locator. The EAA has a great chapter locator. We have a number of flight schools that teach aerobatics around the country we can put you in touch with. And I, th- I think it's just a matter of finding people in your area that can get you started. Uh, we also have um, chapter leaders who are happy to help out. A number of chapters have events that um, they don't, don't really publicize very well, that we're working with them on that to help them you know, make sure they let the local pilot community know. But the thing that everyone needs to understand about it is that it's very approachable. And the people that are in this um, this activity are um, are not special. Uh, we like to think we're special, but um, you know it's it's really good for you to show up. You can volunteer. You can just uh, enjoy talking about airplanes with people that are like you. There's all kinds of things you can do to get involved, and and uh, I think you'll find the group is very welcoming. Now, when uh, when you've got people out there, you say that it's one of the big pushes is to. Uh, share this content on on social media um is that something uh, are you guys going to sort of capture that in some way will you reshare the content uh, how do you foresee that working well of course we're hoping from some uh, some assistance from the eaa because you have a much larger social media presence than the iac does but yes we do we do hope to have a lot of social media content that we can share we can encourage people to like and and pass on and um and just just um you know, really just trying to get everybody, first of all, to get involved. The social media part, of course, is uh, how we we, um, we keep the story going after the, the day. But mostly we need people just to participate on the day itself and, and actually just partake in an aerobatic flight. Uh, that's great. Uh, any plans on uh, doing any kind of write-up in uh, Sport Aerobatics magazine uh, to capture some of the stories of the event if you get them? Definitely. Well, what we're asking all the chapter leaders to do, of course, is let us know what they're planning so we can make hay about it before the event. And then, of course, uh, we'll have lots of content, hopefully, that we can uh, share after the event. We have our Sport Aerobatics magazine, but also In the Loop, which is our e-newsletter that goes out a little more often. And we'll be featuring content in there until up until and then shortly after National Aerobatics Day. And then after that, we're going to see what we're going to do with it for the next year. We expect to have it from now on. Of course, we may change the date possibly, but we're, we're pretty happy with the date we've chosen so far. So we think that over time we'll build a lot more energy just by people getting used to this day being that, you know, the special day that's set aside. That's terrific. Uh, now, right before we started uh, recording, um, you caught me in a, in a little uh, misstep or I misspoke anyway. <laughs> yeah. So I accidentally said International Aerobatics Day. Yeah, right now, yeah. we're, we're, of course, this is National Aerobatics Day. Yeah. Uh, any hopes down the road of... of, uh, of uh, you know, uh, redeeming my mistake and, and going uh, international. You know, it, it, we, we debated the name. I, I actually did originally propose it as international aerobatics day. And, uh, that's not a bad idea, but, um, after some discussion, we decided it's, you know, it's, it's a pretty big thing to bite off already. So sure. let's see what we can do at the national level. But, but since then we've had our, we do have, uh, chapters and members and all over the world, cause we are the international aerobatics club. And, um, we have, um, We've had a number of people say, well, why are, why are you doing it as a National Airbags Day? So maybe that's what we'll do with it. Let's see how it goes this year. But uh, I love the idea of doing an International Airbags Day. Why not? Well, it's it's interesting. We've, we've talked a little bit about this before uh, when you were last with us on this show. But, um, you know, certainly uh, GA flying, you know, in the the U.S. is, is uh, just 
some among the highest participation and the largest numbers of GA pilots and, yeah. and some of the greatest uh, the greatest freedoms uh, to just get out there and enjoy GA flying. Um, but that said, uh, aerobatics are um, are extremely popular and extremely important in a number of other countries and and arguably maybe even get a little bit more attention in some of those other countries. So it'll be interesting to see uh, see what that reception looks like. Well, you're right. We have tremendous freedoms here. We do we do take them for granted. We don't realize, uh, and that's largely because we don't see what the, we might visit other countries, but we don't fly there. I've done that a little bit, and I've seen how much uh, more effort it takes to be an aerobatic pilot in some other countries. We are very very fortunate here, and we have a, an incredible um, history here of aerobatics, which means we have a lot of airplanes, a lot of different types of airplanes in other countries. They just don't have the diversity of aerobatic airplanes that we have here. So it makes us very different, very special, very unique. And it's what's going to make National Aerobatics Day so fun because we have all kinds of different ways to celebrate it with different airplanes going all the way back to early biplanes. Uh, that's a great way to do it. And uh, up to the present day with the kind of planes I fly, like the like my extra. Well, it's going to be uh, terrific to see how that all plays out. And it's going to be a lot of fun to watch uh, watch people sharing those experiences. And I'm uh, excited to, uh, to have uh, a Maybe not a front row seat, but close to close to the front yeah. row as we watch this stuff come in on social media and other ways. Well, you should you can have a front row seat. You just have to get yourself, uh, you know, set it set the date on your own calendar, and uh, let's see what there you do. You with go. It. <laughs> yeah, it's been it's been many many years since I've done any uh, done any uh, aerobatics, so not a bad idea. Do you yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, well, that's uh, that's great, Jim. I'm excited uh, to learn about the event, and uh, you know, we all wish you the best of luck for great uh, great success and of course uh, safe happy and uh, fun days for everybody out there uh, so uh, about a month after just about exactly a month after aerobatics day of course is air venture and that is something that is top of mind as i have said earlier this episode top of mind for all of us um, what uh, can you tell me a little bit about uh, what iec has in mind uh, for the big fly-in well, this is going to be a special year, of course, because we're coming off of the the, uh, the break from the pandemic. And mostly what we're excited about is having AirVenture. Very excited about that. We do have some um, anniversaries to celebrate. We have the um, uh, the decathlon, the pits anniversaries we're going to be celebrating, which is exciting for us. Um, and uh, just a gathering. We have our normal gathering, membership gathering, um, which we're you know still trying to work through how the, the seating will work and all those kinds of restrictions we're going to have. But we have that every year. We have our annual membership meeting as well as uh, at AirVenture. Uh, I'm personally going to be excited because it'll be my first year as president at AirVenture. So I'm looking forward to meeting people and, and doing what I can to promote aerobatic flight throughout AirVenture. There's many appearances I can make or, or podcasts, uh, <laughs> visits or whatever I can do. And, um, you know, I, I got to tell you, I'm so excited just to see an air show again. I've, I do air shows. Haven't had one for almost a year now, I think. And uh, I'll have a one or two before AirVenture, but just to sit there on the flight line and watch everybody do their shows and watch all that great aerobatic activity, to me, that's what it's all about. Well, you know, earlier in, in this episode, uh, Zach Lozaki from Warbirds was talking about, uh, he used the phrase pent-up demand. And I mm. think that uh, that captures it just about perfectly, doesn't it? Uh, we've all just been waiting and waiting and waiting, and we're, you know, if we don't all get together soon and get out and, and do some flying and have some fun, I think people are going to just burst. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, for sure. There's only so much that people can can uh, stand of being indoors, and we're probably at that point, I think, uh, around the country at different levels. But uh, for sure, when I talk to people, they're they are ready to get out and do some 
some great things, hopefully safely, of course. We do have another initiative we're doing this year, which is called Get Your Start. And Get Your Start is about getting people involved in aerobatics for the first time. It's, it's it dovetails very nicely into National Aerobatics Day. So we are planning some things related to Get Your Start at AirVenture, but we aren't ready to talk about those. But we'll be hopefully trying to make a video and and uh, getting people introduced to the to the sport. Oh, that sounds uh, sounds terrific. Uh, well, Jim, as we uh, wrap up this uh, segment of this episode, uh, tell us, uh, for the people out there who are interested, want to get started in aerobatics, want to start taking advantage of some of these initiatives and participating in things, uh, how can they go about joining IAC? Well, you go to IAC.org and simply click the Join button. You can also join by joining the EAA and, and expanding your membership to include the IAC because you must be an EAA member to be an IAC member. Um, but to get started in aerobatics, what I recommend people do is get some initial aerobatic training with an instructor in the airplane. There's a number of great flight schools around the country. No matter where you live, we can help you find somebody who can get you your initial training. And, and I've taken people, if you're interested in competition, which a lot of people are, um, it's not necessary to be a member of the IAC, but a lot of people are, then uh, uh, it's possible to get someone from a after an introductory course to get them ready for the first contest in maybe a week. I've done that before. And a contest is a lot of fun. It's not as intimidating as you think. If you're wondering if it's for you, it's um, a good time. It's um, a chance to sit outdoors and talk about airplanes with people like you and to fly some airplanes and to maybe have a burger. Um, it's a lot of fun. So I hope that we can get people to participate. And, and as I said, they can simply contact me personally at present at IAC.org or go to the website, fill out the contact form, join, whatever, whatever, get you started that's what i wanted to now did i hear you correctly you said that you've you've taken people from in a week from yeah here's some introductory aerobatic lessons and then a week later they're uh yeah they're able to, to fly a competition <laughs> yes because we have our, our lowest we have five categories of course unlimited is the one people tend to to talk about because it makes the highest you know makes the most of the air show pilots that you, that you see at, at oshkosh have been on the unlimited team of course but um if you go down to the the very first level, it's it's called primary, and um, it's it's fairly simple. Um, you do have to have training, but if someone's been through a basic introductory aerobatic course, and they work with someone like me or a coach, um, then it's very possible to get them ready for the first contest in a in an additional week of training. I've seen it done many times, and you know what we're trying to do is get someone to fly safely. They may not win the contest, but that's okay. You get your first contest under your belt, get all the nerves out of the way, and then you go back and practice at home and come back and and win the next one. Wow, that's uh, that's remarkable. I would have, uh, you know, I would have guessed you take your introductory flight and then maybe a year later you might be ready, uh, ready right. for competition. I think that's an eye opener. Yeah, of course, everyone takes their their own time, but no, that's been done many times. And if you want to fly unlimited, that, that now that takes a few years. It's there's no shortcuts we like to say, and and sometimes you know you get better according to calendar time. It doesn't even matter how much work you put in. It just takes time for your body to get ready to fly at the higher levels. That's just the truth. But at the lower levels, it's really approachable. And people can fly primary in clipwing cubs or obviously um, decathlons, Cetabrias. There's all kinds of aircraft that are inexpensive. An RV, for example, any of the RV series pretty much can fly primary. So there's plenty of aircraft that can fly at the lower categories. And it's a lot of fun. Well, that's uh, that's great to hear. So, uh, Jim, thank you so much for taking some time today to uh, to join us uh, for this uh, update with our divisions, and uh, we'll certainly be watching uh, for a lot of good stuff to happen on June 26 on National Aerobatics Day, and look forward to uh, seeing you and catching up uh, at AirVenture a month after that. Okay, great. Thanks so much for having us. Our pleasure. All right, folks, uh, sit tight, and uh, we'll be right back uh, with an update uh, from the Vintage Aircraft Association. All right, now we're picking up uh, the next segment of this episode. 
and very, very happy to have uh, Susan Dusenberry of the Vintage Aircraft Association checking in with us. Susan, good morning. How are you? Well, good morning, Hal. How are you? Well, we're doing uh, doing just great. I really appreciate you taking the time to join us and uh, give us some uh, some updates in the world of vintage. Well, thank you. I'm more than happy to do it. Terrific for this great organization, really. Well, so and well, and and of course, I I agree uh, completely. I've been uh, in addition to EA member, been a vintage member uh, all along for I, I think at least 15 years now. So. Uh, consider me a uh, a happy constituent. Good for you and good for us. Glad to have you, Al. Uh, you're here. You're here. So anyway, let's uh, uh, give us a little bit of an update. What's what's uh, what's new in the world of old airplanes these days? Okay. Well, we're busy. We're busier than heck. You know, we had <clears throat> obviously that COVID time off, and during the entire time, whenever we could get someone on the field. And of course, it was restricted, but contractors, subcontractors could go out there. We were able to get some work done. Um, we had the in, inside of the Tall Pines Cafe painted. I haven't seen it, but I heard that it really, really looks nice. It brightened the whole place up. Um, we've bought new tables and chairs for Tall Pines. Uh, we'll have also, we're moving the picnic tables that were in Tall Pines outside, so we'll have indoor and outdoor seating at Tall Pines. And new this year, we just ordered a, a new cooler, so we'll, we'll have some takeout food, um, like light lunches, snacks, that kind of, that kind of thing, you know, healthy options, yogurt, fruit, and, and some options on some, some cold drinks. So we are really looking forward to that. We did have new sidewalks put in uh, at Tall Pines, a north and south sidewalk, got rid of that center sidewalk. That's where we'll put the picnic tables and we're about to put a flag up down there. We've And we've landscaped the Tall Pines. So we spent a lot of time uh, over the past two years on Tall Pines and moving on down to Vintage Village uh, for everyone who's been in Vintage Hangar um, our vintage hanger on a hot day understands completely what I'm about to say. It can get hot in there. <laughs> to say the least. So we had some roof vents put in, uh, and also we'll be installing the fans in June. Our maintenance team led by Mike Bloombach, volunteer Mike Bloombach, will be installing the fans uh, in June. Also, I've ordered new picnic tables. Of course, we have Charlie's Park which is located behind the red barn, behind the vintage hangar. It's the only really shaded area on the field. So uh, I have ordered some picnic tables, hopefully to be built for us by our carpenter shop, EAA's carpenter shop. Hopefully those will be in for our guests to come come down and enjoy you know, Charlie's Park. Uh, we, we're putting some air conditioning in the... Uh, Red Barn store, uh, particularly in the dressing room, it gets particularly hot back there. And, and just other small improvements around the field, landscaping. Uh, we're, <clears throat> we're putting rocking chairs on the porch for Ron's porch, which faces, of course, Charlie's Park to the south. So we'll have rocking chairs and tables in there. Of course, it's a small, small porch, so we could only get four chairs on there, but still, they're available. Um, book signings, we're, we're expecting a good year. That's great. Yeah. All the, uh, obviously we're all trying to be very cautious and not, uh, you know, not get our hopes up and have very realistic expectations, but boy, uh, as we're recording this, uh, um, not too long before it airs, we're recording this in, uh, basically mid-May and 
all of the indications we have at this point is that uh, we really could be looking at a nice, strong year. And, you know, talk about long overdue. I, I agree with that, Hal. If I think if, if, if sun and fun is an indication and also what's going on locally in our area, uh, every everyone who's having a small fly-in, they're just, and, and I mean, just at private strips, they're all so well attended. So I agree with that. When earlier in this episode, we, we were talking a lot about uh, the phrase pent-up demand, and that just, that that seems so, so appropriate. I think people are just, they've, uh, they're ready. Ready to break out. To get uh, back together, <laughs> ready to break out or break out before they freak out. Yeah, there you and, go. Uh, get back together. Uh, it's exciting stuff. Uh, and great to hear about uh, improvements down at Tall Pines. I've never had uh, any complaints about anything down there, you know, least of all with the, the food. That's that's something I try to only allow myself. Everybody, when... everybody seems to like that, the sausage and gravy biscuits down oh there. I, have, uh, I guess I ought to go down there and well, try if, them out. If you haven't, you are, uh, <laughs> you are missing out. I, I, I only allow myself one a year um, and then one or two after that when I, when I cave, but, uh, that is, uh, that is a great breakfast down there and, uh, during our venture and well worth, uh, well worth stopping. It's kind of funny as a quick side note, um, uh, my wife and I live pretty close to the Oshkosh airport. And when you pull up Google maps and you do a search for restaurants in the area, tall pine shows up year round. And it's like, it's, it, it's great, but it's also very cruel because, you know, <laughs> when it's uh, November and you're thinking, oh, we'd like to go find a spot for a spot for breakfast. Let's, you know, is there, what's a restaurant around here maybe we haven't tried or haven't been to in a while and Tall Pines pops up and it's, oh, darn it. Well, we will have all, all of Steve Nessie's traditional foods that, that he likes, plus I hope a light takeout that people can just throw in their backpack, come up and buy. And that location for the takeout center will be in the middle of the building on the east side entrance of the building and so hope hopefully we will have that in place and and i'm looking at things that maybe don't need a lot of refrigerators some will some won't that they can just throw in a backpack and walk around when they get hungry they'll have a little snack that's terrific to hear that'll be a a, a really nice extra service for people and i've been i've been going around taking photos at fresh market they they have these little trays with takeout and so I, I've been photographing those for Steve Nessie, you know, kind of hints at, you know, what some things that he might use. But every, every time I show him these healthy options, he starts talking about hog shanks. I even had to look that up to see what that was. Hog shine? Shanks, S-H-A-N-K-S. Oh, hog shanks, sorry. I, a hog shine, this is kind of sort of bacon moonshine or something that I haven't <laughs> heard of, but it's, but I'm quite intrigued. <laughs> yeah, Steve's big into pork. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's going to be, uh, well, it's going to be a feast uh, down at Tall Pines this year. That's that's for sure. We just yeah, we just hope to, you know, get some healthier options and hope to have something down there for everybody. The people who like sausage, uh, gravy, and biscuits, and then those people who might want some yogurt. We, we and some fruit. So we hope to have an answer for everybody down there. That's great. That's a nice to offer a bit of uh, a bit of balance, isn't it? So uh, you mentioned uh, book signing. Uh, I'm assuming, you, uh, well, in fact, I, I guess full disclosure, uh, my, my buddy Jim Cunningham uh, is, uh, I know, hard at work on the book sale again for this year. Is that's, uh, that's going ahead, full steam ahead? That's correct. That's correct. Years ago, when I was uh, an advisor for Vintage, I started a, a bookstore. And basically, what I had noticed is that 
people with collect books like myself, I probably have four or 500 books. I have, I'm in the library at my house now, aviation books. And, and so what do people do with these books at some point in their life? <clears throat> they want to divest themselves of the books or maybe their family wants to divest themselves. And a lot of them, of these aviation books, out of print aviation books that we all love so much, were ending up in the landfill yeah. or in Goodwill. So what I came up with was the idea of just having someone donate these books to us. And it's a win-win for everybody. We're... Vintage is a 501c3 organization, so it's a tax write-off for the person who donates them. And then we take these books and resell them at a very reasonable price, I might have, very reasonable price, because we just want to save the books. Right. And we resell them in our bookstore. And the bookstore is an old, it was the old mail shack. I think EAA had a program many years ago, and they built this little wooden shack, you know, for like a mail shack is kind of the part of the scenery kind of thing. Right. And so we took that building over and our maintenance team uh, insulated it and added, added all kinds of fancy lighting and an air conditioner. And we put a porch on it. So it's a nice little building and shell, one of our volunteers put shelving in it. So we take these donated books and we're getting, we get a large variety of books. For example, <clears throat> Jack Cox, uh, left me his collection of books. Wow. And so I just pull a few out for my library and I'm bringing 10 boxes of books in June for the work weekend for Jim for price. And uh, we had to build a storage building uh, for, for these books. And so basically as we sell the books, you know, during the day we go out to the storage building and pick up more books to, you know, resupply the library. So it, it's a win-win for everybody. Gets these books, you know, back, back in circulation, keeps them out of the landfill, and keeps, you know, and keeps them out of the hands of people who really aren't interested in them. Right. And then this year we're going to add an author's corner, and uh, so for you know current authors and their books, wow, book that's, signings. That's great. Any uh, any titles or authors you can share uh, this early on? Uh, no, I haven't talked to Jennifer. She's our chairman about that. Okay. Uh, she's just getting all that lined up right now. Mm-hmm. Well, that'll be uh, that'll be great to see. And as a fellow uh, uh, book collector, we have bookshelves in every room in our house, and then a couple of in two big corners of the basement donated to to the shelves for the, our library as well. Uh, that. Thank you for the good work you're doing and keeping, as you said, keeping those books out of the landfill and helping steer them into the hands of the people who will really appreciate them. That's that's exactly right. It's a, I think it's a really nice program for Vintage. That's terrific. So uh, we've talked a lot about some of the uh, sort of infrastructure improvements and some of the other events that will be happening around Vintage uh, at AirVenture this year. Tell us about uh, what we're looking to see in terms of uh, aircraft. I know there's a few anniversaries for celebrating, that sort of thing. Well, the anniversary airplanes, and uh, let me see, I, I made a little list of those. It, it's long because we're combining uh, – 2020 with 21. Sure. And so for those who missed out uh, last year, they'll have an opportunity this year. But of course, the the theme this year, the title of our um, programs is 22s and 21. And of course, that's PA-22s, Piper uh, Aircraft PA-22s in uh, that model, which includes the, the Colt, 
and the Caribbean and the Tri-Pacer. And of course, it's 19, I mean, 2021. Sure. And so uh, we'll have a, a, a lot of... Um, We'll have forums on that um, in our vintage hangar. They're being set up. We have clubware that will be available for the PA-22s in the um, Red Barn store. They're having a, a dinner on uh, Sunday night, uh, evening dinner for the uh, PA-22 uh, participants. They, of course, they'll be parking in uh, tight club parking. Also, last year was the 100th anniversary of Stinson. And we had planned to celebrate that, so we just, uh, it'll be the 100th first uh, anniversary stance, and we're carrying that forward. So we're, we're looking forward uh, to some really unusual airplanes. Of course, we'll have the low-wing uh, tri-motor stance, so that's the only one in existence. Right. And uh, that will be there. Uh, I heard, heard and saw a photo of it of a Stinson SR9, a Reliant uh, Model 9, that's built in, was it Dupere, Wisconsin? It's an absolutely gorgeous oh, yeah. airplane. So I hope to see that up there. Um, yeah, our uh, producer, Christina, is uh, nodding. She just uh, finished uh, writing a story about that airplane. So, oh, okay. Okay, I think there's going to be an article on that in the July issue of Sport Aviation. Am, or, am I correct on that? Uh, I believe it's in uh, in Vintage Aircraft, or Vintage Airplane. It's magazine, in Vintage. Excuse me. Yeah. It's in Vintage, okay. It's in vintage. So, yeah, we're looking forward to that. I know that a lot of people could not um, fly, you know, so, so they built. So we're expecting some really unusual airplanes. Two Traveler um, Model 6000s, that's a pretty rare airplane. Oh, wow. One is being finished right now. The other one is flying. Uh, so we are, I mean, I think it's going to be a banner year for airplanes. I mean, our, our judges are going to have a rough time this year. <laughs> Isn't that a great problem to have, though? It's a, it's a great problem to have, and and I'll tell you, I was I've been thinking about this for the past few days. Vintage has 614 volunteers, by the way, and wow. of the in of that group of 614 volunteers, our biggest group are the flight line people, our parkers, and they they do a really magnificent job. They're led by Mike Costa, and uh, Mike is uh, from from Colorado, and uh, they basically we have it's structured where we park airplanes, where we park airplanes. But at some point, that all gets just you know thrown out because we run out of room and we start putting airplanes anywhere where we can find a spot. We we've never turned down a show plane yet, and we've been packed. We've incapped airplanes. We've tailed them in. Uh, we we just stack them any way we can, and we've never turned down a show airplane. And I I expect that this that our parking team is really have a <clears throat> a better year this this year. Yeah, I think uh, Wet, weather permitting. Right, weather permitting. Of course, that's always the factor. But I think we're gonna we're all gonna have our hands full in a uh, in a great and wonderful way this year. Yeah, what we've told these uh, airplanes, we have so many groups that celebrating anniversaries. We just said, you know, try to arrive together and our parking team will park you together right. uh, because we're not reserving parking. Anything east of Whitman Road, uh, south of the flight line building, of course, is first come, first serve. So we said, if you want to park together, arrive together. So we have a lot of these groups who are staging at an airport near 
Oshkosh to fly sure. in as a group. Well, that's uh, that's going to be fun to see just in and of itself. Yeah, some of the airplanes, Swiss, Howard, Staggerwings, 180s, Cessna 180s and 195s. Of course, the Stinsons, Arangas, T-Crafts, Cessna 120s and 140s, the Twin Bonanzas, <laughs> uh, the Shortwing Pipers. Um, and that, of course, that includes the PA-22s. And but the PA twenty twos were derivatives of your your vagabond and you know your other short wing pipers, so sure. they will be part with them. Uh, Comanches, air coops, and avions. What a list, right? Man, that's just amazing, isn't it? Well, it's uh, incredible to think. So number one, of course, as you said, we've got two years of anniversaries to celebrate, so we've got to catch up from twenty twenty. Oh yeah, I tell you, I'm losing sleep over this. It's like how can we do everybody justice with everything that we have right. on our plate? Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I, I personally, I, I think uh, we're all just going to be so happy to get back together that I think, uh, I think, uh, call me an optimist, but I think we're going to have a pretty understanding, uh, understanding group of people uh, this year. That just thrilled to, to be back to it. I hope so. I know we're all looking forward. We're all looking forward to it. The, the volunteers, we're having a volunteer party. Vintage typically has three volunteer parties. Um, annually, starting at the end of April, and then we have one in May and one in June. But this year, because of COVID restrictions, we're only having two, and the first one will be the first weekend in June. And that's when we'll go in and uh, put a splash of paint on everything, as I say, and any maintenance that needs to be done. And we clean up and spiff up, and we'll have the landscaper come out. Uh, We lost a few plants. And amazingly, we had a lot of damage in and from our grass, from leaves that just sat there, you know, oh. for a year and a half. Right. Yeah, and so we we've had to put in some pavers, uh, which has already been done. We have a groundskeeper for vintage. His name is Jim Hornby. He does a masterful job. He's a guy that goes out and burns all the lines, you know, for parking. If if you think about it, all of you people that fly in, there's a little area of grass, and you'll see it where it's kind of dark, where it's been sprayed, and for the lines, Jim Hornby goes out and does that. He's our, our grounds guy, and he goes in during the year and maintains our our grounds. He f- seeds, fertilizes. He fills in any hole that may be a danger to aircraft, no matter how small. That kind of thing. So, thank you, Jim. He does a wonderful job. Well, the uh, the whole operation is uh, sounds like it's coming together nicely, and I'm, I'm sure everybody out there listening, just as I am, is. Uh, Really excited to see what uh, what Vintage has uh, has in store this year. Yes, we have. You know, we have a fun and affordable area out there. Of course, we we all know what the fun and affordable is. Cessna one twenties, one forties, the Cubs. Of course, that be a high end at this point for fun and affordable. But you know, the T Crafts, the Chiefs, the Champs, uh, Interstate Cadets. You know, those air coupes, all of those airplanes. So we have a special display for the fun and affordable aircraft out in front of the Red Barn. Uh, this year and that's been a great uh, a great initiative to really show people that uh, that you know it, it's not as prohibitive as people think you can get into this well it's well I'll tell you what I just bought a new lawnmower bought a cup cadet for five thousand dollars and I said good grief you know if I, I could add nine thousand this to buy a t-craft right exactly <laughs> so. and you'd be flying instead of mowing the lawn I'll be flying. That's exactly right. You know. Instead of bumping along across, down around this farm, mm-hmm. yeah. So it is flying is more affordable. Everybody thinks that pilots are rich, but I'm telling you, 
some of this fishing equipment that everybody has is a heck of a lot more expensive than these airplanes. You're here. Uh, well, Susan, uh, I think this uh, just brings us right up to the end here. So uh, thank you so much for taking some time uh, to uh, talk to us today. We really appreciate you taking the time to be on the show. Thank you, Hal. And for, all, for all of you VAA members or anyone who wants to uh, uh, visit us during our venture, we, we'd love to have you come down and rest in Charlie's Park in the shade. And, and you know, our motto is vintage, vintage is a fun place to be, and we'd love to have you, so come on down. And I can, uh, I can sure attest to that. It definitely is a fun place to be. So, Susan, thank you uh, once again, and thanks as always to everybody out there for listening. Please keep the feedback coming. You can always uh, send email to feedback at eaa.org. You can comment on these uh, individual episodes as they go up on our blog, inspire.ea.org. And we're always thrilled to see uh, to see reviews on uh, places like iTunes, uh, Google Play, Stitcher, uh, anywhere else uh, where you uh, where you get uh, this podcast. So please keep it up. Thanks for all the. Uh, all the good words and the kind thoughts, and we'll catch up with you next time when you're cleared to land on the Green Dot.